to the Simpleton Podcast. Um, uh, this is Laura Heeman. I'm here in Hyattsville, Maryland, with my good friend, Dr. Allison Contreras. Dr. Contreras <laughs> is a um, an NFP, natural family planning um, professional and educator. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Laura. This is a very official, formal <laughs> conversation we're having. Usually yes. we're chatting more informally. Yes. In the kitchen, <laughs> at the park. There's less children um, around right now, yeah. actually. All right. Allison and I have been friends since 2014, and I wanted to do this podcast um, because I think she has a lot of interesting ideas, interesting perspective about um, natural family planning. I think that a lot of church energy gets spent on like convincing people that they should um, use the, you know, a natural family planning, except the church is teaching. So it's a lot of apologetics and um, a sort of brief intro on how to practice NFP for engaged couples, but there's not a lot of uh, conversation um, beyond that. And I think there's a lot of conversation to be had. Um, so that is why um, I have Dr. Allison here today. <laughs> Thank you. You keep referring to my <laughs> official title here. So I want to jump in with that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I am a doctor of environmental engineering, uh, not medical. It's not a medical doctor, which is relevant when you're speaking on medical issues. So <laughs> I wanna, upsetting I wanna, to some people. Yeah, upsetting yeah. to some people when they, they find out or people call me doctor. Um, yeah, I am not a medical professional, although I was pre-med at one point. Oh, <laughs> Intense. Got, got, scared, got scared away by the other intense, intense yeah. premiums. Yeah. <laughs> A little bit about me is that I, I think maybe the most most relevant thing to this conversation is that um, I wasn't Catholic when I learned about NFP. Um, I became Catholic in 2007, learned about NFP probably in 2005. Um, and I learned about NFP while I was in grad school for environmental engineering. Um I mentioned I was pre-med, kind of wonder what would happen had I learned about it a couple of years before, because it really struck something inside of me. Um, as a, you know, as an environmental engineer, uh, we were focused on taking classes, looking at sustainable design, you know, how do we work harmoniously with the environment and make solutions that are more energy efficient, therefore cost efficient and um more sustainable for for people long term. And when I when I had learned about this idea of fertility awareness and you know tracking the signs of a woman's body and her natural observations and then changing your behavior correspondingly to how you wanted to proceed with having children or not mm -hmm. um, it really struck something inside of me because I, I kind of saw it as a way to create a sustainable solution for family planning um, give the woman the empowerment and the de decision to make those the ability to make those decisions mm -hmm. and then she has a solution for the rest of her life that doesn't need, you know, chemicals, hormones, um, other, other reusables. How so. did you even like find that information? I feel like the information is, uh, really hard to access if you're not within like the church. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, fortunately I'm not that old that I couldn't get Google, you know? <laughs> so, so I had, I had a very specific conversation, um, with the guys, now my husband, <laughs> um, in, in terms of, discussion of family planning that was, you know, we were talking about church teaching. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what led me to kind of look into the science behind it. Um, but I accepted using NFP in my life earlier than I did 
becoming Catholic. <laughs> that was, that was a step later. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but really you can, you know, you, you can, I, you know, I was in grad school, I was doing mm-hmm. research and I, I would find, I did you my, I did my internet yeah. search. I did my Google search yeah. and um, I was looking at studies and I was looking at like yeah. what, what was published. Yeah. Um, but you know, you do, you do have to look for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, so in this podcast, we're going to use like NFP natural family planning. Um, just because it rolls off the tongue, but I've noticed that recently people have been using the term FABM mm-hmm. um, more. Can you explain that and maybe why? Yeah, yeah. So there's like a whole branding issue there in a way. Um, NFP, natural family planning. In a way, like what is more natural than taking your signs every day and writing them down and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then deciding if you're fertile or not <laughs> then doing that. I don't know. It's not, not there, there's a natural element to it and that you're not sterilizing the body. Mm-hmm. You're not, um, you know, changing the body in any mm-hmm. way, but, um, you know, in many ways it's not really accurately representing what's happening with the, the term fertility awareness, fertility awareness based methods, mm-hmm. fertility awareness method, FAM, FABM, there's not really a concise fabum. Fabums. My husband's <laughs> right. always going fabums. <laughs> yeah. So fam, um, fam is actually the name of a book that was written by Tony Weschler. Okay. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with taking mm-hmm. charge of your fertility. Oh, yeah. It's yes. kind of like the the secular go to, um, and I and I say secular just because they do advocate for um, you know condom using during or other meth other barrier methods. Um, so fam has kind of come to mean that and so it's a very specific method Mm -hmm. this method taught in this book Mm -hmm. um so fabm is you know for fertility awareness based methods kind of encompasses a larger uh subset of methods that use your natural fertility signs And and it really encompasses like you're becoming more aware of your fertility by doing these methods um some methods to a greater extent than others but with that information then you know single women can use it Married couples can use mm-hmm. it. You can use it to achieve pregnancy. You can use it to mm. postpone. It kind of is a better, bigger base than just saying like NFP, natural family yeah. planning. Like a single woman isn't planning her family. Right, right. Do you she, think but she a, can get a lot out of the yeah. fertility awareness-based method. Right? right, right. And by charming. Yeah. As far as branding also, do you think there was a <laughs> maybe a desire to like um, sort of get away from the idea that NFP is like the rhythm method, which doesn't work for a great yeah. many people oh uh, we could do a whole contact a uh, whole podcast on the rhythm method actually <laughs> um so i do i do yeah. think maybe yeah i've heard nfp um not for protestants also okay. NFP, oh. <laughs> which is just quite ironic i actually teach many protestants yeah. and many christians mm-hmm. um as well as a non non mm-hmm. um christians mm-hmm. but um I, um in terms of yeah nfp being um it's just kind of a, a more limiting. Yeah. Limiting. Okay. Yeah. Um, great. Well, uh, could you tell us like maybe some, um, so, uh, as a person that has like used NFP, had a lot of friends have used NFP, like, um, I, I've seen like, there's a lot of like positive things that happen from using NFP. That's not just managing family size, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, uh, like, could you maybe share like a positive story or from, you know, friends or clients or whatever? Yeah. 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 So anonymously, obviously. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> of course. Um, so I've actually been teaching for 
12 years. Mm-hmm. And during that time, I've been trained in a couple different methods. Uh, there are different methods. This, you know, this is one of my big things is that I like to, to let people know that there's different types of NFP that you can use that are, that are going to take different um, observations. Then maybe they're going to take a different level of rigor. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you, um, I guess, yeah, so I've been teaching for 12 years. There's different populations that I'll teach with. Mm-hmm. I teach a lot of engaged couples, you know, at the start of their marriage, they're, they're looking forward to, to getting married. Um, maybe they have a different level of exposure to what they know about NFP. Maybe they have friends and families that have learned or used NFP and maybe they don't know anybody. Maybe they're just randomly in my class because <laughs> the priest is making them, um, um, which is great because, because then I can be a first point of exposure to, to this, um, you know, this kind of a way of life really. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I think when you were talking earlier about like the need to do this podcast, you kind of have this ex- point of exposure when you're engaged, um, you know, maybe you learn about it in a high school theology, the body class, if you're lucky, yeah, <laughs> if you're lucky. Yeah. but then like, you know, further on as you're married and practicing and using NFP, you might not hear about it anymore. And mm-hmm. so then the, you know, there definitely is a need for the dialogue, mm-hmm. um, hopefully that we have here. Um, but yeah, in terms of positive stories, one of the large populations that I do work with are couples that are trying to conceive. And, um, I see these like, you know, younger or, you know, older couples that are getting married. Mm-hmm. They just definitely increasing, especially in DC, our, our population of couples who are getting married or um, older than average. Yeah, right? getting yeah. older and older. Um, and but the pop, many of them are interested in conceiving right away. Or uh, you know, I also see infertility couples that have been dealing with infertility for decades. Um, I think kind of some of my most inspiring stories are. Um, the couples uh, who have conceived after great many difficulties, mm-hmm. um, just because you just get so excited for them, and it just, you know, it's just so nice to be a part of that joy during that part yeah. of their life when, yeah. um, you know, it's just it's so intimate. Um, I think and- a lot of people don't think of um, like NFP as like an option, like if for infertility, like that's not. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So that's like a big part of what what I hope to educate couples on is, mm-hmm. is knowing that like, if you learn about this when you're younger and you you learn the signs of your fertility, um, you kind of learn to appreciate your fertility more. Mm-hmm. And then you can also learn when the patterns are, you know, not there that indicate healthy fertility. Yeah. So then you can do something a little earlier, but I, yeah. I just to, you know, you asked for positive stories. I had a, I have a multiple couples, um, most memorably recently, um, you know, a couple that had been um, contracepting during their uh, marriage and uh, they had gone off to prepare for, you know, conceiving. It had been several years. They had not conceived um, several years. This was like three years. Then they tried to use IVF. Hmm. They um, had very poor results with IVF. They couldn't even... um, create an embryo so it was they couldn't even get to the stage of that would be like the moral you know quandary of choosing to figure out how many Mm -hmm. children to freeze it just gets really sticky um but we have you know this couple they had done two rounds of ivf and that was all their insurance had paid for and Mm. we you know um we're able to work with them i was able to work with them um 
you know, this is like three more years have gone by. So it's been six years total. Um, and they just conceived this past fall and are due in the spring. Wow. Um, so that's really exciting. I have other couples who have had two other couples more recently who conceived after a decade of infertility. Wow. Um, wow. Being that's able incredible. To, yeah, exactly. And you're in, <laughs> yeah. you know, not only, only are you thinking, okay, IVF is touted as the most um, advanced successful type of intervention we can do to help people conceive it it's not Mm -hmm. um oftentimes just going back to the basics of the woman's cycle and tweaking and helping her understand these specific things and then working with a medical practitioner you know typically the the way the model works is that someone would work with me to educate Mm -hmm. them how to how to chart their cycle how to you know look for the important um signs but Mm -hmm. then go on to then working with the medical practitioner to be able to then uh, diagnose and treat based on what the test results say is irregular. Um, mm. and, and most people haven't even done that first step before they go into IVF. So right. <laughs> this like slight, you know, preventative, really educational foundation is just being skipped over and we're just kind of going into the bigger interventions. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I was gonna I think s- everyone should be very interested in this, right? <laughs> Just right. for that reason alone. I mean, from a financial like you know yeah. health insurance, look at how much your yeah. premiums would go down if you yeah. if you're covering this thousand dollar intervention, right? Right. And I think this is like another kind of uh, topic I was going to bring up later, but yeah, I'm going to bring it up it. now. <laughs> Controversial. <laughs> um, why aren't we teaching it to people when they're younger? Like, yeah, it it doesn't. It's it's a meth. You know. A lot of the methods, they take a while to learn, Mm -hmm. but not only that, it's like two things. Like you can use a number of the NFP methods to like detect or understand different illnesses, diseases that you have, like for instance, endometriosis or polycystic ovarian syndrome. And these like can be uh, very painful and very difficult for women right mm-hmm, so right. we're gonna um <laughs> not give this information to like right young women uh when it could be solving their problem and then uh later on not have so many years of heartbreak early in right. marriage yeah uh, and i mean especially when you look now at all the studies coming out indicating uh you know putting young women on the pill which is the the standard operating mm-hmm. um procedure here for for young women who come in with cycle irregularities just it's massively increasing levels mm-hmm. of depression in yeah, these wow. young women um you know being able to teach them about their cycle instead it would be much more beneficial um you know i have like a bunch of thoughts on why we don't do that yeah what's what's like the think, objection <laughs> yeah i mean i think from like a from a catholic perspective maybe there would be like an outdated uh if we teach them about their cycle it's gonna like uh you know encourage promiscuity i don't know yeah. is, that, is that what people think yeah. i don't have daughters I, I feel like that's like can't possibly be what people think anymore but maybe it is i, I mean i i think um i'm trying to think i don't know if you've actually encountered that but i know somebody who was like a Cretan <sighs> practitioner who um was trying to start like a class for teens and yeah. somebody in the diocese said no for that exact yeah. reason I'm, and then we're talking like about like an eighth grade level of yeah, like biological knowledge right <laughs> like yeah. it's not I mean, I, I think yeah. there's a way to talk to women, you know, separate the men and the women or the, the teens, right? I don't know, they're girls, young adults. They're young yeah. adults, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and be able to talk. I think there's ways to talk about it in groups of, of mm-hmm. mixed mixed genders, but then you know, specifically to talk about the women 
because like it or not, they're going through this. Like yeah. what, what teenage yeah. girl doesn't yeah. want to know when her period is going to come right. just yeah. to help her <laughs> prepare. Um, but I, I think there's some, you know, the thought of, okay, when you, okay. When a woman is, um, starting to menstruate, you have like a varying fertility. So you have more regularity in the beginning of your cycle, just mm-hmm. like you would when a woman starts to hit menopause, premenopause. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. A, that, there's like a natural irregularity that happens mm-hmm. before it dies off completely. And then just in the beginning, there's a natural irregularity that mm-hmm. happens while you're really reaching the fertile, fertile years of your life. Um, so that irregularity um, is, is what all women face, <laughs> but to teach them the signs and to help them um, be able to kind of like understand their fertility during that time really, in my opinion, would give them more of an appreciation for their fertility mm-hmm. uh, rather than them being in the dark and thinking, okay, well, oh, what's going on? I'm just going to like figure out a way to like make this all go away and not think about it. Yeah. Um, so there is a challenge with, with treating, I think there's a medical challenge with treating some of the teen yeah. cycle irregularity mm-hmm. because, because a lot of it is late and see how it plays out. You're, it's mm-hmm. just starting, your cycle is mm-hmm. just starting. Um, you know, and some women do have more regularity than other women. So I think there's a challenge. Mm-hmm. There is a bit of a challenge there medically. Um, but, you know, I don't know if it's like a primary parents or the primary educator. Yeah. We don't want to, I don't, I'm not exactly sure why not, but there yeah, are some yeah. groups that so there are some methods that are like specifically targeted toward understanding like a teenage level, like fertility appreciation. Femme is, is a great okay. method for that. Which is not specifically catholic <laughs> yeah right, yes yeah, yeah. so that, yeah. that's a whole other, that's a whole other <laughs> yeah. that maybe we're leading into but um mm. the femme method it, it the language that they use is actually just very much about understanding like what a hormone does like break it mm. down like what is a hormone doing in my body yeah why do i need hormones why do i need these you know female reproductive hormones in my body in general like completely unrelated yeah. to my cycle like yeah. just in terms of brain development yeah circulation and how do we just kind of like teach women this so that they learn to appreciate the presence of them in their body. And then later you can add in the way that the class is structured. You can kind of add in like a, the, the family planning. And now that you have that data, right. now that you have that information. And the habit of collecting that information, which is hard to attain. <laughs> right. And then, yeah, yeah. And you can just put that, you, you can then give that instruction piece later. If mm-hmm. there's like the interest in a family planning method, mm-hmm. some of these other methods, it approaches everything is from a family planning perspective right away. Yeah. Yeah, and I, so I think some of it is the way that the methods are structured yeah. themselves. Because yeah. if you're talking to a woman right away and asking her if she's using condoms or not, or other barriers or whatever other method she's on, <laughs> yeah. then like just she's the way 13. the yeah. Yeah, yeah, just the way the method is created, mm. it's it's not it's right. not for a 13 year old. Yeah, um, so I think that that's a barrier. Yeah, I yeah, but and I think it's like teens, but also unmarried women or yeah. whatever. Um, I think that like as Catholics, we do not fear knowledge <laughs> mm-hmm. and we should not fear giving people knowledge that leads them to greater understanding and like empowerment to make good choices, you know? Right. right. I mean, it's like, like personally, yeah. when I was it's a little personal here, but when I was in high school, I remember thinking that I had cancer because um, I had irregular I just had a discharge. I didn't know what it was. Oh yeah. Oh right? yeah. Yeah. You have yeah, a menstruation yeah. and then yeah. you have another discharge. And I yeah. literally remember asking my mom, like, am I okay? And she was like, you're fine. That's yeah. fine. That's normal. Yeah. Like, oh, it'd be a great time yeah. <laughs> to be like, actually, <laughs> this is what, that's exactly what that is. Yeah. yeah. And, a, and an appreciation. I mean, kind of, yeah. I mean, maybe my mom didn't know. 
Right. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, this is about your mom. I think most, most people don't, right. Unless right. they've had. Yeah. I mean, yeah, um, this is like modern methods. We, we know yeah. we talked a little bit earlier about the rhythm method. Yeah. Maybe we did. <laughs> oh, I, I said, right, right. We have much more uh, sophisticated, useful, reliable methods now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we could have like scientifically a backed. But the thing about the rhythm method, the rhythm method kind of gets a bad rap because it was actually quite complicated. It was almost like so complicated that it was impossible for women oh, to use. Oh, interesting. There's a, yeah. there's a really like distinct, like specific algorithm you're supposed to use um, that if you're doing paper charting and like kind of keeping track of your data mm. on the paper, like maybe we were um, 50 years ago, then it's a little more hard, harder to calculate, harder to, mm. to actually properly define the fertile window as the rhythm oh, method did. Okay. So I feel like most people are probably not even using the rhythm method correctly. Yeah. Now we have, you know iPhones, we can electronically yeah. collate our data and be able that that electronic, um, yeah, data recording piece. Mm -hmm. I think is a big barrier to proper NFP use. Uh, so we have a lot of help now with modern yeah, technology. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Related to what we've been talking about, like, is the church preparing couples well to use NFP? And I have like kind of like a little maybe pet peeve that the church is both like underselling. NFP and overselling NFP. And what I mean by that is that if you go to like a marriage prep thing, not the marriage prep you did, which I'm sure was excellent. <laughs> um, and God bless the people that do these talks because they're probably the most difficult talks to give at a marriage For prep. Real. Yeah. Um, but you know, the one I got and that I think a lot of people get is like, um, so now we're going to talk about NFP. Um, I'm really sorry. I know most of you guys are like cohabitating and don't really want to hear about this, but we're just going to tell you. And then the sort of calling people onto it is like, Hey, at least it doesn't give you cancer, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that's like a major undersell. Um, on the other hand, there's like a lot of like, it is so effective. Like you have total control of how you're planning your family and it's, you know, 98% effective asterisk, like perfect use. I feel like then kind of convinces you that you can achieve perfect use, you know, and maybe some people do, but it's, it's actually for many couples a lot more challenging, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. There's a lot there, Yeah, <laughs> but I think, um, you know, I go back to when I was learning about NFP and then when I started to go through my marriage prep, you know, this is something I kind of alluded to. I was getting really passionate about. And one thing I learned in grad school is pay attention to what you procrastinate on <laughs> because mm. that might actually be a real passion. So this is oh, why I became, you know, I was yeah. in grad school for environmental engineering, but I yeah. became a, you know, uh, Creighton instructor, um, simple thermal instructor, instructor mm -hmm. first, actually, then later a Creighton instructor. And, um, I've also received FEM training and chart Neo mm -hmm. training as well. So, um, this is something I was really interested in. Um, but, uh, as we were going through marriage prep, my husband and I, and I was, you know, getting really excited, very interested in this topic. Um, I started to hear news from like my friends who had gone through marriage prep and mm -hmm. they re kind of gave similar feedback. Like this is something I was excited about. I was all gung ho um, and interested in, but I would receive, oh, oh, marriage prep. It's so great. Except for that NFP class you have to take. <laughs> and then it would repeatedly from multiple different friends that, you know, it, they had had just like the crazy couple. And every time, um, man, my husband and I do marriage prep now, we always say a prayer and we're like, just... <laughs> 
guide our words and hopefully let us not be the crazy NFP couple that, that people have experiences with. But who, yeah, who knows what they say after. Actually, I have reviews. Oh. <laughs> and I do have people that eventually, you know, take our class from a from a total cold cold point starting point. Mm. Uh, my other hope is that at least we we can uh, plant some seeds mm-hmm. that maybe they'll come back to us later. Um, but yeah, I you know I've heard this idea that it can be just oversold. It's a total uh, you know I think that one of the stats people like to quote is the divorce rate of couples who use um, NFP. So mm-hmm. two to, there's a study two to four percent of couples who use NFP end up divorcing. So it's very low compared to like mm-hmm. a national average, um, and I you know, there's, this has been called into question, you know, are those couples just not going to divorce anyway because they're Catholic? Yeah, or, you yeah know, they just don't like, believe in divorce. Right. But, yeah. So, or does NFP just like, you know, have this wonderful unity? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Totally safeguard yeah. your, your marriage from all ills and all evils. Um, and I've also heard it said, oh, if you can talk about cervical fluid, you can talk about anything. <laughs> um, which is like, there's something there that if you talk about difficult things maybe yeah you can talk about other difficult things but no if like just so. <laughs> like one about to one <laughs> woman's signs of fertility yeah. um don't doesn't necessarily um help you see eye to eye on your finances or whatever whatever else it is so yeah i think what i like to say regarding that stat is that i do think there are couples that are conscientious about their marriage and, and trying to do something different in terms of um maybe different from the status quo, mm-hmm. kind of questioning this idea of, you know, separating babies and bonding in their mm-hmm. marriage. What is, what is, what does that do to other parts of our, our marriage? And so couples that use NFP are having that discussion, having that, having that question kind of revisited on a more regular basis, maybe than other couples are. So I think there's something to using NFP that, that does safeguard a couple if that, if they're having that kind of, um, honesty and reflection in their relationship yeah Yeah. Uh, my husband says it's kind of like the difference of you know you point you you steer a ship if you kind of steer it to slightly different degree you're going to end up at like a completely different destination than if maybe you had started off pointing this way sure yeah that's a good yeah and i think you know to the to the overselling underselling you know a lot of this is like the way we do marriage prep in general um yeah the the practitioner you know I am a creating practitioner with a scientific background um, in these different methods, right? I'm a creating practitioner. I'm also, again, been trained in all these other methods. Um, And then I will speak, one of the other things we didn't mention earlier, but I have worked with uh, FACTS, the Fertility Appreciation Collaborative, to teach the science. It's factsaboutfertility.org, which is an organization that we educate um, medical professionals about the science behind these methods, not only how that they can better talk to their own clients, but also educating them in the first place. Like what yeah. is actually what going these? on yeah. with, with a woman's body yeah. in terms of fertility. So, um, that background, um, kind of like what we do there, it, it's completely 100% like not related to the Catholic church. That's just a, that is a medical organization that we are educating, mm-hmm on whatever peer-reviewed literature is out there yeah um about fertility awareness-based methods um, i think this is like interesting because we don't really see this in like marriage prep or whatever but you'll give the doctors like um literature on like here's these like eight or whatever number of methods here are the pros and cons you might want to recommend this one to like a decision making tool yeah um and you guys also do research about like 
apps and mm-hmm. which apps are affected right. and stuff like that. Right? Yeah, that's actually what I was brought on originally to work on was yeah. to study the different fertility apps that were out there at this point like four or five years ago. So yeah, there's a the lot landscape more. <laughs> has, yeah, the landscape has changed, yeah. but um, to, to, to look and see are these apps accurately mm-hmm. Um, you know, representing the dev- the methods that have been proven to be yeah. effective tools for family planning. Yeah. Um, but 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 really, what I want to go back to is this idea that this person who is responsible for teaching you the biology and the the science behind your body um, is also then responsible for teaching the morality and the, the theology part of it. And I think that's that's like kind of a tricky thing that, in a way, um, I don't enjoy mixing because I I, I enjoy teaching, you know, if people have a conviction to use this method, um, I want to help them, but I, and I can show them all the benefits and all the health benefits to the ways that it empowers them. Um, But that, that needs to be coming from elsewhere within the church as well. Like we can't be relying on the NFP teacher in their one hour session. Yeah. Like a couple months before you get married. Yeah. Yeah. A couple months if we're lucky, you know, ideally like five, six months, if we're lucky, some women, you know, they come and they're getting married in a month and they're like, how do I learn NFP? I'm like, oh no. Right. At least you're coming a month. Yeah. Um, But But it's um, like almost, this goes back to teaching it younger because it's like almost like a just totally foreign language to most Catholics, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, it it would maybe be easier to accept the theology if you had uh, a more solid base of understanding. Well, yeah. And a a practical, like kind of viewpoint forward. And that's what happened to my husband, quite frankly, Mm -hmm. he, he learned about NFP as a, as an idea in, high school mm-hmm. um at his catholic high school that was like you know this is like what you can use in terms of planning your family and understanding uh the dignity and beauty of fertility mm-hmm. and so he knew of it but when i talked to him about it he didn't know anything about it yeah, yeah. Um, but even having that like inkling or that idea you know i don't know if, if at the women's high school they did they went yeah. into more or not um but I do think it helps people to see the practical side of it in terms of mm-hmm. what information you can actually get. Um, yeah. I want to, um, just another idea about like preparing couples is, um, at, you know, marriage prep, it's like a very exciting time and you want to be positive and like inviting people. But um, I don't know if it's like, I don't know. You don't want to be a downer at marriage prep. Right. <laughs> but like somehow the, the tagline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't be a downer at marriage prep. Don't be a downer at marriage prep. <laughs> but I think that sometimes with the NFP, with like trying to be so positive about it, like people are not prepared for maybe, you know, the ups and downs, there's like joys and sorrows and like the, the crosses yeah. that might come with, um, using NFP, like some people have fewer children that they hope that's not because of NFP, but you know, the the reality of of marriage and life. Yeah. It's like not going as planned. Right. And you know, um, you know, people having fewer children than they want people having more children more quickly than they expected or, or whatever. And I, I don't really feel like the way it's taught or what's around it, you know, and the church support around it is like sort of helping people, I don't know, come to grips with those realities. Um, I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, 
you know, is this the way the marriage prep is taught? Is this who's involved in marriage prep? I think there's like so many questions there that are good to ask. Um, You know, when I look back, when I take a step back and look at even, okay, how do we, if I'm meeting with couples and talking about the specifics of their body and their individual signs and and Mm -hmm. like health situations, um, which there's a lot to go over, you know, who else is the one talking to them about the theology? I think the best setup I've seen is like kind of having that like witness talk during marriage prep and then like follow on. These are, would be some sources um, in terms of who you're, who you would go see then for the actual Mm -hmm. medical management part of Mm -hmm. it. And it, and, and I think when the church is referring there to um, the, you know, who they would recommend going to see, there's yeah. like a bit of an ethics question because you would want to like refer to the Catholic or a, a instructor who would respect the Catholic teaching of the church. Um, this is kind of like getting a little away from what you just asked, mm-hmm. but in terms of who else is involved in marriage prep, you know, frequently when we help out at marriage prep, we're some of the youngest presenters yeah yeah and we we tend to do the money talk and the the sex talk and mm-hmm. so mike always says my husband he's always like we're we're doing like the two most difficult talks here. <laughs> money and sex which yeah. is not not true there's i mean <laughs> yeah but there are the yeah, mm-hmm. yeah there's a lot of potential for 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 conflict in these mm-hmm. in the in these two topics um but you know, we, we talk to these older couples who are like generously, you know, donating their time. I think it's a great time of your life. You know, when the kids have left, you maybe you're retiring, getting close to retired. How can you give back and helping out with the marriage prep? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but often what we see on the feedback forms is seeing couples who are like in the thick of it mm-hmm. is what's really helpful to give an accurate picture of like what, what they should expect or what yeah. they can, they can kind of ex- yeah expect. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, it's, it's really hard to get couples who are in the thick of it. <laughs> right. Because they're in the thick of it. Because they're in the thick of it. I mean, it, yeah. we have this story where we were doing a marriage prep um, and and thank God it was on Zoom because that was the only way it was going to happen. But Mike was coming in off of like a uh, like an international trip. <laughs> they're only supposed to be landing. And then we had like, we're supposed to get the kids to bed and then like jump on the Zoom call. Like, you know, heaven forbid we had to drive somewhere. But it, it like took like you know, the stars were moved to get us <laughs> at this marriage prep. And, yeah. and, and this is like one of the feedback was I wish there were more y- younger people. And when, yeah. you're, when you're balancing kids and trying to figure out, you know, what else are your, you know, trying to have time for one another, um, yeah. how, how you can be involved in marriage prep. But I do think having couples in like the, you know, 10, 15 year range, not just like the, we've been married a year and things are going great um, range is, is helpful for the marriage yeah. prep. Yeah. Um, uh, you've talked a little bit about this, but like one tension is like, well, is this a ministry or is this like, yes. Okay. A health, you know, <laughs> thing. And it's like, well, uh, should a person pay for ministry? On the other hand, it's like, you are a professional person that has like studied this. You've spent a lot of time studying this. Your amount of knowledge is, um, like it's really impressive and you can't just like a casual you're coming to ask a question exactly. <laughs> like for a reason yeah rather than this right. person over yeah. here and um and yeah. like you you've had extensive training and you have extensive knowledge on this topic um yeah i don't know there kind of seems to be a little bit of confusion like <laughs> what is this yeah, yeah. And, and you know is the person teaching out of the church basement like is it a, is yeah. it a ministry yeah. is it a is it a medical professional and i think this is a tension that not only do people who perceive the profession but also like within the fertility 
you mm-hmm. know, educator sphere is a, it's a tension people are wrestling with, you know, are people doing this part time um, as they raise their own young children? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, are they having to pay for childcare so that they can then do these, this mm-hmm. work that is not actually paid? There's a, there's a financial and a economical piece here, the business model, mm-hmm. I guess, of yeah. how to be a fertility educator that, that is challenging. Yeah. Um, and some people health insurances pay for classes or no? Right. So yeah. So then, um, if you're an educator who's teaching out of a medical office mm-hmm. and you have a medical, um, you know, ideally that would be the setting, but then that's like a very more formal setting that not everyone has access to. Mm-hmm. But ideally yeah. you would be teaching with a, you know, medical provider who can, the doctor can say, okay, this is something you can look into. And then you can go over here and talk to this person who bills less. Mm-hmm. And they don't have to do the actual teaching, the medical, yeah. the doctor doesn't have to do the teaching. Um, but there are, I mean, this gets into like certification, this gets into yeah. like needing to have a le- levels of quality assurance that people will know that they can expect. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's a reason why there are different methods and why, um, you know, beca- because you need this kind of standard of care. Yeah. Um, but that that's challenging then because, wait, especially if you're doing one-on-one, you know, if you look online, all these people doing group coaching, like there's a reason people are doing group coaching because mm-hmm. it's can earn more money. Yeah. Like yeah. doing group coaching, but like teaching NFP and talking about a woman's cycle is like inherently very individual. <laughs> yeah. Very personal. There are some people doing great like hybrid models, mm-hmm. but like from what I've seen, you there needs to be some individual component yeah. to it for it to be effective. Useful. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. So that's that's just like a challenge to it. That's not saying uh it's a it, yeah. It's yeah, I guess it's it yeah, I'm not trying to say I, I think it's like maybe it's uh, also, we need to as like a church sort of examine but like the ministry and the like sort of medical aspect of it and how those should be related or not or whatever. Um Yeah, I mean it's on yeah. a, I think on an individual level, like do you does, yeah. is this is this a product that would be worth it on an individual or is it or am I considering this a ministry? Yeah. And so I think yeah, I think from yeah. the from the patient perspective, and then also from the how to yeah. how can it be a sustainable yeah. thing that people go into also. Yeah, right. No, and, and I'm not yeah. I, I'm not trying to suggest what you do yeah. should be free because it's yeah. like you're providing like a real right service that you've worked really hard to be able to. But yeah, I don't know. But I, but I mean, in competing markets, you look and then okay, we're going to pay for the birth control pill for everybody. Yeah, you know how yeah. do you compete against that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do you say? okay, this is something yeah. that's like going to yeah. take longer. I mean, ultimately, because people see the fruit of it is, yeah. is, is how, how you compete yeah. against it, is yeah. people see the, the value of the education that they have with, for their whole life. And then they see the health benefits, you know, not only in terms of conceiving, but being able to um, treat, you know, significant cramping, ab- abnormal bleeding, mm-hmm. um, hormonal mood disorders, all yeah. that can be cycle related. Yeah. Um, this is, those are reasons. Yeah. But. yeah. Uh, Clark had a question he wanted me to ask you. Can you use NFP, practice NFP, if you are not a type A person? <laughs> I love this question because I had actually, <laughs> um, the short answer is yes, anyone can use <laughs> NFP. Um, I had actually developed, I had a theory several years ago when I was looking into different methods and trying to de- determine which one would be best for me to teach. Um, and then when I decided upon a method and then realized like the people who really excelled in the method <laughs> were all very type A. <laughs> um, so he's on to something like that. Yeah. This is a funny joke because there's truth in it. Um, but it touches on something because I, 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 
there's this kind of like this premise or this idea that some people tout when they teach NFP or mm. the, in this area that uh, there's like one best method. Um, and if you're type A, there might be one best method for you. And if you're type B, never never figured mm-hmm. out what the alternative to type A is. It yeah. type B? I don't, I don't, I don't like yeah, that. But, yeah. Um, yeah. If you're anyone else who's not type A, um, there might be a better method for you. And I think this is one reason I really like FACTS as an organization. Mm-hmm. Um, FACTSAboutFertility.org is because they are equally representative, representing and um, educating about all the different methods, very upfront with the different effectiveness rates that mm-hmm. these different methods might mm-hmm. um, obtain for the user for family planning. But there's there's a type anus to it because you're taking data, right? You're taking data yeah. on a woman's body on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm an engineer. It is not unusual for engineers to really like the symptothermal method because oh. you, you used to, you know, back it's in like the day, numbers. When you had, yeah, yeah, you used to like plot the graph and you could like slow, you know, connect the lines and see the slope of the line and yeah. see that the line, the slope was increasing and then therefore you're getting closer to ovulation. Like it, it was like a whole thing yeah. that it attracted engineers. Um, I hate that. Which, <laughs> which might be great for an engineer to teach it, right? Yeah. Maybe you're attracted to teaching mm-hmm. it. Um, in terms of use, uh, I do think that the age we live in now, the use of different applications to be able to help you collate that data. You know, we have the science behind, okay, uh, we know how to, if you prompt, if you have an app that like prompts automatically yeah. for you to enter in the data, it's, yeah. it's like significantly higher use. We know, you know, just even like changing the color when someone enters in the data is like shown to like help someone yeah. um, use the app more, right? Cause you're right. trying to get more days in a row or whatever. Yeah. Um, but there are methods that- uh, I mean, and the apps need, help- yes, a lot of them help you interpret the data also. Yes. So, yeah. so then, yeah, there's, there's, I always say when I'm teaching clients, um, you know, there's two parts to this. The first is learning how to take good data. Mm-hmm. And then the second is learning what to do with that data mm-hmm. and what that means for your fertility. So the, the taking your data part is a big key and that's a big stumbling block. Um, mm-hmm. you know, kids, I've heard so many stories of kids taking the sticker. Yeah. Baby that's stickers what it's like. And like, great. You have like, yeah. it's by your nightstand when you don't have a toddler. And then yeah. suddenly your <laughs> nightstand becomes like a war zone when you yeah. have a toddler and those little babies go everywhere. Um, so they're, there's the, the taking of the data and then there's the applying of the instructions and apps can help with both two varying degrees yeah. of effectiveness yeah. as we looked at in our app study. Um, but you know, one thing that is really important to note too, I think this kind of goes into the type A thing, maybe, maybe not leads into another. Um, but when we're looking at methods, it, it is helpful for the user to understand, you know, what makes them a, a method effective for a user it's kind of what we're getting at like how do you find the best yeah. fit for a user yeah. if you're type a if you're like not going to be checking yeah when you use the restroom multiple times a day like what would be a good fit for you there, there are ways to take your data that um don't involve continuous observation yeah right. um you're taking different types of data so yeah. you know be having the user be aware of different methods um and also maybe even this is like super taboo but the idea behind a method to begin with this is a super ta- sorry this is, I pause because it's super taboo in the 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 fertility world because I um, you know you, you stick a method you teach a method you stick straight to a method um, and I and I really think the benefit um, that being trained in multiple methods can offer to the patient is that you understand 
where the method is going to be more effective. Mm-hmm. What t- part of the cycle is your method going to be more effective? Yeah. If a patient has the is presenting with these characteristics, okay, that might be a, like a little bit of a red flag that like this type of like method or this type mm-hmm. of this this instruction within the method isn't going to be effective for mm-hmm. you. And I think that's really helpful for the the user to know. The user wants to know that when they come to me, yeah. they're not necessarily saying, "I want to know uh, what that method is going to teach me specifically." They're coming to me because they want to know how to like effectively plan their family, and so I want to I want to give them that information the best. So I actually think that that's a personal strength of being able to to figure out how to best counsel an, an individual yeah. on what method is going to be the most effective for them. Um, you said um, like people that have been effectively using NFP for a number of years tend to combine methods as they understand them better. Did yeah. I say that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I <think> I was, yeah. <laughs> this seems like totally non-controversial, but if you were like at an NFP conference, would this be a bomb? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, there, there, there are places where if you say that like, okay, well, we actually look at you look at like an early day rule, you look at like a, a Doreen, Doreen's, um, you know, empirical data saying, you know, your fertility is only extends until a certain day early in the cycle based on empirical data of cycle data mm-hmm. um, to present that like might be that's mixing that could be mixing methods depending on what mm-hmm. you're, you know, who, who you're talking to. Um, I don't want to get too in the weeds here, but it, it is important because that might be a really effective rule for someone. Mm-hmm. Um in in a situation or maybe you know looking at a, a post peak method you know applying a post peak meaning after ovulation applying a certain set of instructions to help a couple like really determine after ovulation has has occurred determining when that fertile window is ended because there is no more egg present in the cycle that can be really really helpful information for for a couple um you know that has very serious reasons to postpone um and uh, I think learning more about, as from a practitioner side, I think we have a, a duty to our patients to accurately represent uh, the data appropriately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Another, I wanted to bring up like a little gripe that I have with Creighton specifically. And I want to do that not because I want to drag Creighton through the mud, but because I think like Creighton has like an immense amount of like (laughs) information, you know, and Mm -hmm. wealth, right. That could be like really valuable to a lot of women. And I feel like as a user that it's like very secretive, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, it's hard to find out a lot about Creighton online. Like if you take the class, you get a book and the book is really good, but I've had questions that aren't answered in the book. Um, but aren't quite like worth scheduling another, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like almost nothing online. Um, there is not a lot of information to take like to an uh, OB or a midwife, for instance, if like Creighton would prescribe that you do something during your pregnancy. Like I have printed out information from Creighton because I was supposed to take like progesterone supplement during pregnancy to right. help sustain the pregnancy. And then I'm like bringing this like, kind of stupid sheet of paper with this not peer-reviewed study to the midwife and she's like okay (laughs) you know and it's kind of embarrassing um but also it just like does not reflect like the the work that Creighton has done right so Mm -hmm. I don't know if you have a comment about that 
Yeah, I have a lot of comments about that. <laughs> um, I, feel, I, I mentioned I'm a Creighton practitioner. Um, I became, I was originally trained symptothermal method, and then I became Creighton mm-hmm. instructor actually when um, I, my husband and I were experiencing infertility, mm-hmm. and I saw the limitation that the symptothermal method had mm-hmm. in terms of like continuing the medical management. Like if there's an issue, mm-hmm. like what else can I do <laughs> to improve my fertility if I'm like noticing like an ovulatory defect or, or what have you within a cycle. And so I was noticing that within myself. And then I was also noticing that in my own patients. So mm-hmm. I became a Creighton practitioner, um, learned it because the, the way that the Creighton model is set up is that there's the practitioner, there's a educator, like profession, and then there is the the training that the physician can go through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would venture to guess that the physicians would have a lot of the similar gripes that you would, because yeah. the, upon training um, and completion of the course, they're given this like big thick book in terms of like what to do with the patient. So oh gosh, it, it yeah. is instead of like you know maybe like some highlighted like I mean it can never be that simple, but uh, you know like highlighted rubric rubric if patient presents with this do this, you know, type mm-hmm. of like, um, pathway that you can follow and mm-hmm. even to treat the patient. Mm-hmm. So, um, like a, a couple of points I have there is, is the difficulty of publishing in this field in general. Um, I kind of, I kind of think, okay, even to step back further. So all that to say, I have a Creighton training. Um, I am not like, I think you can tell at this point in the, <laughs> in the, uh, podcast interview that um, I I have also been trained in other methods. Like mm-hmm. I'm not of this mindset that like this is the only way. Yeah. Um, which sometimes you can kind of be really led to think that given some of the training yeah. maybe that they provide. So given the difficulties publishing, I mean, what I have heard, you know, and to, to, to defend the, the organization or to offer an explanation is that it's, mm-hmm. it's quite hard to publish in this field. Um, if you are are mentioning this, there's the there, if you are mentioning fertility awareness, fertility awareness based methods, uh, and the reason for that might be a rigor of research. Maybe the research is not to the rigor that mm. would be um, considered standard in the right, medical right. Research, and the defense yeah. I've heard in terms of like that when you're regarding people's pregnancies is you know is it is it even ethical to withhold a certain type of treatment from a woman who might miscarry? So then you don't even have like the the strong enough study to then defend the intervention that's kind of some of the issues when we're talking mm-hmm. about progesterone intervention during pregnancy yeah um uh yeah, I've, I've heard that as a defense of dr hilders who's the founder mm-hmm. creator of, of creighton method um speaking to like some of the effectiveness studies like when you look at okay is is creighton effective for postpartum is creighton effective for women that have regular cycles continuous symptoms um it, is this even an effective method? Have, has that data been, been shown? Um, you know, it, it's quite hard to even publish uh, robust studies that are looking at um, NFP kind of in a similar manner to how contraception would be looked at because there is the issue of um, behavioral change. Right, right. <laughs> in how a method can be used in general. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I, ha- I will tell you, I have sat across the table from a couple that said, I have no idea how we got pregnant, you know, or the, not, okay, not, not, I have no idea how we got pregnant. They took yeah. the class, they understand how they got pregnant. Um, but they said this was, this was not an intended pregnancy. And I say, well, you know, you, you had intercourse like on peak day, yeah. you knew that was peak day. Like what happened, you know, what, what's going on there? And they said, well, we knew, you know, 
like we were called to have intercourse on this day, but it was not intended that we would have that we were not like necessarily yeah. planning it in advance, right. but we knew we were like called to have intercourse at the, whatever yeah. the, in, the intimate decision was, it was our anniversary, something, you know, yeah. whatever it is. Um, you're not going to get that with like a pill, right? The pill, right. the pill study is never going to have that nuance that you're going to have with yeah. like, um, a study on NFP, like motivation right. is central right. and it's very difficult to judge behavior change. So I do think that affects the data. Um, not saying that's for all cases, but I, I think it affects how one can even, can even do studies in this, you know, what population is going to yeah. say, uh, you know, join this, this study of women who want to try this method of <laughs> avoiding pregnancy may or may not work. work. Yeah. Like but the people who are going to join that study are people who are like kind of okay with having kids right now. Right. right? Like exactly. it's, it's like, you're, yeah. you're going to be a self-selecting population. Yeah. So it's just, it is a difficult thing to study and to get good, robust data that would be like a peer reviewed type of study. But yeah. So, yeah. I so, think so one I thing think that's there's that. Yeah. One thing that's interesting about that though is like you're you're trying to provide this like robust data to the scientific community and like show how effective it is. Um but uh one of the things about like as the user of NFP <laughs> is like you are sort of also giving up maybe false sense of control that like uh, birth control might give you, you know, um, and, and that is like hard, you know, but I think again, that's like sort of, again, the oversell of NFP, you know, so it, it's like yes. almost yes. needs to be like a just totally separate, the effective rate to the medical, or, I mean, not that you don't see the data, you know, the information both ways, but it's like almost a, ne a different message needed for like people preparing for marriage. Yes. And I think you kind of asked me that earlier and maybe I kicked the can because I was thinking about something, yeah. some other question that I could answer first, but I, yeah, is that the oversell? Like, look, it's 98% effective if you're within this certain type of, um, you yeah. know, demographic and situations of completely regular cycles. Um, so when that doesn't happen to you or when you have yeah. a situation where you're like, wow, you really hit yeah. that, like... Uh, <laughs> my margins of yeah. not sure that should have been a fertile day, yeah. but I guess it was because you're yeah. pregnant. Um, like how how do you how do you yeah. counsel the patient? You know how um, how do you help them understand yeah. the effectiveness of the method and and just in general like what God is doing in their lives? So it, yeah. it, like NFP is intrinsically different from contraception. Right. And I know we kind of had talked about this. Yeah. Like if you can use NFP with a contraceptive mindset, mm -hmm. um, I think maybe you can think about NFP with a contraceptive mindset. Like it's, it's going to lead to a lot of heartbreak. Before, <laughs> yeah. Right. Before yeah. you're married, maybe you yeah. can think that like, I'm going to have like 3.5 children. Yeah. Yeah. You know, three children in 3.5 years or whatever it is. Um, yeah. But that it's ultimately not how NFP, you know, there's an, there is an art to it. Um, and you know, we do look at failures different and I don't know if it looks at, if it, that sounds like you're talking about different sides of your mouth, but in a way, this is why, um, you know, I, I like working with Catholic couples because they, they have that basic understanding, yeah. um, of that, um, being that children are a gift from God. It's mm -hmm. not really like a failure, right? Yeah. Like we're, we're, we're trying to postpone, this is our goal. Um, and I can work with them depending on, you know, how, what their motivation is that, because I get couples that come in and say, we're, we, we can't conceive for a year. And then like, again, you know, then they just suddenly decide that two months later, oh, they can, they can, and they, and they try to, and then they're trying to, and then, you know, maybe they don't conceive right away. And then they're really upset. And I'm like, well, this wasn't even like part of your plan last year. Yeah. Is that you, right. were, you know, so it, 
I mean, the, the, the human heart does change like that. And that is the, I think the, one of the benefits of NFP, but you have to be willing to look at it like at a benefit. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think because we don't always present that part, it's like leads to a lot of people like trying earnestly, you know, but then becoming kind of disillusioned with it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, going um, back to the, the and giving up on it ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that can happen. Go, going back to the, the, the Debbie Downer, no one wants to be Debbie Downer during marriage prep, but the, the reality of like marriage and life is that it's, you know, it's stressful. <laughs> like yeah. it's stressful. It's like one stress after yeah. another, like choosing yeah. who you're going to marry. Um, is like a beautiful, beautiful, joyful journey in life, but it's also choosing who's going to be like the person at your side as you approach all of life's stresses. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And I, and I heard a, a priest once say that he really prefers doing funerals rather than weddings because weddings, there's like this, you know, the sense of hope and naivete in a way that everyone is very happy, but it's kind of like an untested happiness. Yeah. Whereas at the, at a funeral, it's very, um, maybe it's, it's, it's more somber, but it's also a celebration of the life and everything that entailed. Whereas when we're, you know, getting married in marriage prep, you can kind of just want to focus on the happy feelings, but like yeah. anyone who's been married, a lot knows, of unknown quantities, knows that's <laughs> not what ultimately carries you through right. those like feelings right. of happiness. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think, you know, be, I've had couples in marriage prep say like, okay, don't focus too much on infertility. Mm -hmm. And from a person who's experienced infertility, wanting to say like, I think we actually need to mention this a little bit more because, you know, one in six couples are going to experience yeah. this and it's going to blindside them. Yeah. So how do we prepare, yeah. you know, couples for this, this thing that, you know, might happen. And, and also how do we also show everyone else in the room that this is not a guarantee. Like, yeah. even though you might yeah. be there with your, you know, children might be coming faster, a little, a little bit faster for the time being. I mean, I've, I've had people who get, you know, have, have, several children very quickly and then experience infertility and it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. It's yeah. catastrophically heartbreaking yeah. to them and that you might not even ever know that from them. Mm -hmm. So no, right. one, no one to talk to about right. it either because no one understands their situation. Yeah. So, and I think it's like, if you're Catholic and trying to be open to life, it, I think a lot of people feel very isolated when maybe they have lots of pregnancies closer together also than they expected, but you are like happy about the baby, but maybe the timing is rough or whatever. And it's like, who yeah. can you even, yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Because Say then, the, too, then the yeah. world saying, "Oh, what are you doing?" You know, there's yeah. something that you can do. Yeah. And so, it, I actually think there's like a really beautiful pairing there that happens between couples who experience infertility and couples who mm -hmm. have like you know the uber fertility or whatever you mm -hmm. want to say. Um, <laughs> because they're really, I mean, they can really understand each other. Because yeah. I think they're actually like best friends <laughs> in a way. <laughs> they, don't <know> it. <laughs> they don't know it, but they need to be best friends. Yeah. Um. And I and I really think the thing that I like to talk about most, or you know, the image I like to bring. Up in, in marriage prep is really the you know when the, you make the vow you're accepting children lovingly from God mm -hmm. you're not demanding and you're not rejecting oh and yeah that, that like true open handed you know being being aware that like you know infertility is a disease being able to to have the resources to look into what's wrong mm -hmm. if there is something wrong um, being okay with that spiritually and you know, I know sometimes there's like a barrier maybe to couples thinking okay maybe if I dress like um, think, you know, pray harder, or maybe if I just, yeah, I think there can be a stigma with infertility sometimes of feeling like, uh, it is something that if you just relax, you can conquer, <laughs> right. And, and conceive. Yeah. And I think just there, have a glass of wine. Right. <laughs> right. And there, and, you know, I think there is like 
research that shows cortisol levels and related to ovulation and fertility, you know, there's an awareness of how that affects fertility, but it is very not well understood. So usually that's not, that's not really a very good tool, though that can be Mm -hmm. a piece that can be helpful for mentally dealing with infertility as well. Um, But, but oftentimes there is a biological component to infertility that is worth looking into. And so I think, um, you know, as we talk about that piece in marriage prep, you know, being able to, to accept and demand um, and not demand or reject children from God that demanding piece, like, like figuring out what is wrong with your body is not being demanding. Mm-hmm. Like it, it can lead to that potentially, but yeah. the, the act alone of looking into what is wrong with your health is not <laughs> demanding. It's figuring out right. oftentimes there's a lifestyle issue. There's a, there's a, sorry, there's a lifestyle component that's affecting right. their quality of life. Yeah. Um, when, when you're looking at that, at issues of infertility. So addressing those issues that are also impacting the quality of life can help people hopefully become better parents through biology. But if not, if, you know, if they do become parents through, through adoption or foster care, being able to be like healthy is, is extremely important right. for all <laughs> yeah. parents. So I think it's, it's worth looking into what, what's happening in your body. Yeah. It's not as at odds with like God's will. I'm saying with air quotes, like people feel like right. it's like they have to accept it and yeah, I mean, sometimes there's a simple, not simple. I don't want to say it's simple. It's like a lot of work, but like a diet or supplementing or right. things can affect. Right. Just an idea. Like, I think we could start kind of heading towards closing this. But um, one, I just would like love to see like understanding of NFP to be like, <laughs> I don't know, that we be not afraid of like giving that knowledge to people and like even maybe inviting non-Catholics to come to understand it um, better um, and having medical professionals um, be able to like look at it, engage with it. Um, But I I also, I think like any woman that uses NFP and has been pregnant, like has been treated like an idiot, you know, at the OB's office or with the midwife or whoever, you know, and, um, for women to feel like they have this understanding of their body that like, even the doctor does not, you know, they have a lot of answers and feel confident myself included, you know, when you go to the doctor and you say, I have this information, which I've carefully gathered and it can be useful. I mean, I think women who chart are super users. Yeah. Love this baby. Here's a baby. Um, they're they're super baby. users. They're very invested baby. in their health. Baby. You are the baby. They're they're very invested in their health. They're paying attention. They have yeah. a lot more information. I I can't for the life of me understand why doctors dismiss that other than being uh, really under a pressure crunch to like reach all the patients in an hour yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, but I I do think that that when a woman brings her chart to an appointment and says I have significant bleeding and then can show. She has significant bleeding. Mm-hmm. That's so much more helpful. And so I do think that, you know, things like the fact that FACTS are doing, uh, FACTS, the organization has an elective, a two-week elective that's been going gangbusters during COVID because it was online when no other <laughs> medical elective was online for medical students. That's um, incredible. And, and, you know, the feedback we get is that there's things taught in this two-week elective that are not taught during a whole reproductive physiology course yeah sorry about the babies oh so yeah yeah i mean that's incredible right and they're able to shadow part of it is that they shadow um and and sit in on some sessions and uh a practitioner with their patient and they can see how it's taught they can see how it's used they can see how women what what things women have trouble 
with during the sessions and I, it's, it's been very illuminating for hopefully the next generation of yeah. physicians yeah. because the, why would you turn away a woman who comes in with a chart and they've taken information every day about their health? Like, why would you mock yeah, that? Right. No, absolutely. <laughs> like if someone came in with their diabetes numbers for a month, you'd be like, great. This is like someone who's really going to follow my instructions, right? They're really going right. to listen to what I have to say. Yeah. They're, they're engaged here. So I don't, I don't get that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully that's disappearing. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> All right. Well, um, do you have anything else to add? I think this was great. Yeah. Thank you. The, yeah. Thanks for thanks for having me here. Yeah. And um, yeah. Um, thank you for listening. And I hope you found this useful, interesting. Um, if you have any follow up questions, um, maybe they could go in the comments. Yeah. You could do another get, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I apologize about the babies. Um, thank you very much. That's what happens. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> I'm made up.